Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, Mum to Amandine, now a toddler, and our new addition, Elwood, born this May. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, toddler, and now as a mum of two, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. If you have listened from the very beginning of Mum Talk, you will know it was love at first sight when I met the products created by the midwives at My Expert Midwife. When pregnant with Amandine and Elwood, not a day went by where I didn't use my favourite product, Fantastic Skin Elastic. I feel incredibly honoured to be working with My Expert Midwife, a brand that has truly supported me physically through both of my pregnancies. Recovery after childbirth can be challenging, both emotionally and physically. My Expert Midwife have created a recovery duo designed to soothe bruising, swelling and soreness of the perineum after birth. This includes Spritz for Bits, which provides instant relief to the perineum. You will have heard me raving about this after my first pregnancy, plus the new Soak for Bits, a must-have to add to those first few baths after your baby is born to aid recovery and soothe aching muscles. I could go on and on and rave about every single product I have tried. I know how important it is to have confidence and trust that what you are putting on your skin is 100% safe for pregnancy and baby. For me, using My Expert Midwife products gave me that trust and confidence. My Expert Midwife not only develop incredible products, they provide midwife expertise for pregnancy, birth and becoming a new mum. To find out more on how to prepare and recover from childbirth, visit My Expert Midwife at www.myexpertmidwife.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk Series 10, Episode 8. And this week I am joined by Dr. Christina Soma. She is a London dermatologist and she is here to answer all of our questions about skincare in pregnancy, skincare postnatally, how we can go about resolving any skin problems that have arrived during pregnancy or have worsened during pregnancy. So, Let's get started. So thank you so much for coming on for starters. So shall we start by outlining, I mean, are there any, are there specific products or additives in skincare that we just shouldn't be using in pregnancy? Should we start there? Um, All right. So starting with just ingredients overall, um, by and large, cosmetic skincare is suitable for women who are pregnant and I know there's a lot of anxiety about finding the right ingredients and doing your research, but the truth is most of the things, the vast, vast majority of what you'll find in cosmetic skincare is safe in pregnancy because cosmetic skincare is not intended to do anything. That is a drug. And I think people often confuse that and think that when they're buying a skincare product, it's meant to have a substantial effect on their skin when the reality is that is technically illegal. If you look up the definition of a cosmetic, it is intended to beautify. It's intended to not have an effect beyond 24 hours on your skin. So when you think about it that way, that actually most cosmetic 
things that you buy or all cosmetic things that you buy technically should be there as a form of, you know, ritual and temporarily beautifying your skin on the outside surface only, then you realize it's very unlikely to have any effect on a developing fetus inside you. That being said, there are some ingredients that kind of are a bit of a loophole and that they do actually have some effect beyond just cosmesis or appearance of skin. And that specifically refers to primarily any retinol type ingredients. Mm -hmm. So uh, people are learning more and more about skincare. They're learning about retinol being a hero ingredient that helps with pigmentation and wrinkles and even skin tone. And uh, you can get prescription strength retinol from, you know, private dermatologists or in some cases your GP for things like acne. Uh, and you can also get lower strength over the counter. And that is an ingredient that you should avoid when you're breastfeeding. Right. And what about, um, I can never say this right, but salicylic salicylic acid? Yeah, salicylic acid. Yes, salicylic acid is safe in pregnancy. So I guess one thing about the cosmetic discussion when it comes to pregnancy is the fact that we are not talking about clinical trials or extensive research, and that pretty much goes for anything in medicine and in a lot of consuming you know, industries, because no one wants to do a trial on pregnant women. The risks are way too high if anything goes wrong. Yeah. And I think as a result, women have really suffered in a sense from this because we tend to give advice that is completely out of abundance of caution as opposed to based on science, which means that women often feel that during the nine months of their pregnancy, add months of conception, add months of breastfeeding, that they are completely secondary to the needs of a child and that anything is off limits just because we haven't tested it, so we don't know, so let's be on the safe side. Mm -hmm. And I think there has been a shift recently in medicine um, to sort of think about and question that a little bit more as opposed to just being like, no, you can't have anything, you can't eat anything, we don't know. It'd be like, is that based on any kind of science? Mm, absolutely. And how about sun cream specifically? Because I know with I gave birth in May, so I was looking at lots of different sun creams. And is there anything specifically in sun cream we shouldn't be um, applying to our skin whilst pregnant or are most under the similar, what you've just been talking about, cosmetic? Yeah, so there was a big, a bit of a controversy in the sunscreen world, you know, in the past year because some studies showed that when applied in very high, large amounts, probably more than you'd ever apply, um, that some of the ingredients in sunscreen got absorbed into the bloodstream and were detectable in bloodstream or were detectable in urine. However, none of these studies then pointed that this causes any kind of problem. So I know it might be scary to think something got absorbed in your bloodstream, but, you know, tons of things probably do, do they cause a problem is the real question. And they've not really been able to answer that question. So far, the guidance from official bodies has been that pregnant women can use whatever sunscreen they like, you know, protecting yourself from the sun is way more important and protecting, reducing your risk of skin cancer. That being said, some women opt again out of abundance of caution to go for sunscreens that are labeled mineral sunscreens. Mm -hmm. Um, so those will have uh, in the ingredients list primarily two ingredients, uh, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. So, you know, those the, the benefit of those is that they're considered not really absorbable in the system from what we know. They should be considered 100% safe from what we know. 
Uh, the disadvantage is that those are the sunscreens that are quite like chalky and zinky and white and kind of pasty. Uh, of course, formulas have gotten a lot more sophisticated in sunscreens recently, so you can find really nice uh, mineral sunscreens. But yeah, I think overall the message has been protecting from your su- yourself from the sun is the big priority. Mm. But if you are feeling very worried, which most pregnant women are, then mineral maybe is the way to go. Mm. And then lots and lots of cleanser to yeah. s- scrub mm. it off at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so pigmentation happens during pregnancy or can happen during pregnancy or get worse during pregnancy. And I guess staying out of the sun also helps with that. But is it completely avoidable when you're pregnant? Is there anything you can do? Um, well, so pigmentation in pregnancy is incredibly common. I mean, I think I've read some statistics that like up to 70% of women will experience some pigmentation in pregnancy. So that is a lot. And the most common thing that you'll get is uh, darkness around the nipples or a kind of a dark line on the stomach, or you'll get a condition that's called melasma, where you kind of get even darkness on your cheek or on your forehead. And the reason why is because the cells in our body that produce pigment are driven by hormones. Um, And so when hormones go into overdrive with pregnancy, they just start pumping out all this extra pigment. What you can do to prevent it, the good news is most of it will resolve on its own after pregnancy is over within that year when hormones start to regulate again after breastfeeding. Um, if that's something you're choosing to do. So patience is number one. But the other thing, like you said, is that the those cells that are pumping out the pigment are also triggered by the sun. So protecting yourself from UV, not just by sunscreen, but also seeking shade, wearing hats, things like that. And when you're out of the pregnancy period, there's an ingredient that's prescription only called hydroquinone. And that you can not have during pregnancy because that we know uh, can be dangerous for uh, a fetus that gets absorbed very quickly into our bloodstream, but it is super good for treating melasma. So when you're done with everything, we have a solution and a help for you. Oh, amazing. So I'm guessing because it goes into the bloodstream, it's not whilst you're breastfeeding either. You want to wait till you're done breastfeeding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's a cream that is available from dermatologists, even on the NHS. So, you know, you don't have to ride it out just by yourself. We have things that can help you. Yeah. Amazing. Um, can you avoid stretch marks was a very popular question that we got. I know. (laughs) There's just some, there's some amazing accounts. I know it's, it's hard to embrace something that's so constantly perceived as a floor, a flaw, but there's so many amazing accounts where people are like embracing stretch marks or putting glitter on stretch marks. And I love that because you can see, how in a different light, they're actually quite cool looking. They're kind of like cool little tiger stripes or have like skin with a great pattern on it. Unfortunately, we've just framed it in a way that's Mm -hmm. negative. Um, There's not much you can do to prevent stretch marks. So all those like vitamin E oils and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it will feel nice and relaxing and soothing. So it might help with like stress levels, but (laughs) not not your stretch marks. Things that you can, there's a big genetic basis for stretch marks as well. Ah. Things that you can do once you start getting stretch marks, there is some evidence that massage with hyaluronic acid, an ingredient that's like a a moisture type magnet, is helpful. Or with an ingredient called Centella Asiatica, which is found in kind of, it's primarily an ingredient from East Asia 
and it's quite soothing. It's plant-based, and there are some studies that show uh, that those can improve the appearance of stretch marks. And then finally, when you're after pregnancy, um, you can try retinol, uh, retinoid creams, because those also can help. And retinoid creams, can you use them whilst you're breastfeeding or they need to wait until you're done? This is a good question. Um, so in my uh, experience, definitely over-the-counter ones, no problem. If you look at the official pharmacy book that we use as doctors, the BNF, for cream prescription strength retinols. Um, one entry for one formula says avoid in breastfeeding and one says it's fine as long as the baby's not coming in contact into the skin. Um, yeah. And to be honest with you, to me, it makes way more sense that because the baby has already developed by the time it's born. And the main concern with uh, retinols are kind of defects that develop in utero in, in, in development. So I think when you have a baby, I think it's fine to use retinol while you're breastfeeding, as long as you're not putting it in the chest area. Mm -hmm. So your face, I think it's fine. And the BNF 50% of the time says it's fine, which means it's <laughs> <really> fine. <Yeah. laughs> um, and how about before we go too far away from kind of all the, the natural talk about sunscreen and it comes up a lot. Well, it did in my Google searches anyway, came up a lot. What's your take on the whole natural side of skincare? It's a little bit frustrating to me because mm -hmm. first of all, everyone has a wildly different definition of what they consider to be natural. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is natural, you are literally standing in the farm, you're picking the plants and you're putting it on your body. Is it still natural if it was picked, if it was transported, if it was stored in plastic containers, if it was put in a lab, you know what I mean? If it was added with something else. So I think it, people who are really into natural, I think if you really scrutinize what they're talking about, it's probably not that different from synthetic, if you will, ingredients. I know some people use the term chemical to imply something negative, but, you know, everything around us in the world has a chemical formula. H2O is water, you know, chemistry is part of the world and synthetic ingredients in many ways can be absolutely better for you in many instances because they can have low allergy potential. They can be sterile. You can be assured of their quality because it's made in a specific way intended for a specific use, you can't always have the same quality in whatever berry or oil or, you know, what you're putting on. You don't know where it's coming from and how it's been handled. So I think saying that you only want natural and meaning, you know, plant-derived, I guess, is kind of oversimplifying what natural is because, you know, many things are, everything is natural. Everything has been created uh, in the world. So I don't necessarily think that something that is plant derived is always better for your skin. There's so many reports of, you know, toxic reactions to plants, you know, poison ivy is a natural plant. Mm, that's really interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought about it like that. That's really interesting. So I guess depending, it depends what the regime is, but we had a question about whether you can still follow treatment regimes when pregnant. So I'm kind of guessing, you know, when you go on to places like the ordinary and they have mm -hmm. these regimes that you can use yeah. can you still go about doing those whilst you're pregnant or you should be should you be really conscious about what ingredients are in there and just double checking all the ingredients 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Most of the ingredients, like I say, in cosmetics are going to be safe. The one thing to just be aware of is that skin does change during pregnancy. So whatever regime that you had before might not necessarily be exactly what's suiting you during and even throughout your pregnancy, your skin may change. I don't know what you experienced, but you know, quite commonly in the first trimester, people will have some acne. Mm. Quite later in their pregnancy, they might get the so-called pregnancy glow because they have a lot of their blood vessels dilating and a lot of circulation happening. Um, so it might not necessarily be exactly what you think you need and it might change throughout. So I wouldn't spend tons of money uh, in case your routine changes or your needs change. But by and large, what's going to be recommended in those uh, sites it's going to be fine, except just avoid things, like I said, like primarily retinol-based ingredients. Mm. How about when you're trying to conceive? Is there any, are there any studies to show what we should be avoiding when you're trying to conceive? Most of the over-the-counter stuff is absolutely fine when you're trying to conceive. If you're someone who has a skin condition and you're on medication, the story changes, um, especially if you're on medication for things like acne, for example, if you're taking antibiotics for acne or if you're on Accutane, a, a commonly prescribed uh, drug for acne, those are all things that you need to tell your doctor as soon as possible when you're planning a pregnancy uh, so that they can either change it or offer you some advice. Uh, but by and large, all of the cosmetic stuff for your skin will be absolutely fine. Even uh, things like the the retinol family, they say, well, this they say mainly for the tablets, but I, I guess if we're being very extra cautious, if we can carry this through to the creams, but for the tablets, they say one month prior. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So let's move on to how we can work on some of the pregnancy skin conditions. So whether you're done breastfeeding or you didn't choose to breastfeed and you want to, say, tackle pigmentation, what would be your recommendation for people wanting to have a look at that? And is this after they're done or while they're pregnant? So after they're done, once baby's yeah. here and they've either, you know, breastfeeding if it's safe or if they've chosen not to breastfeed so they can tackle if they see it as an issue or they, you know, want to reduce it, what would your recommendation be? So absolutely the number one uh, recommendation has got to be sun protection because that is just going to make the pigmentation worse. So we're talking about hats. We're talking about checking your phone for the UV index if it's high, making sure to avoid the sun during those peak hours. Um, and, you know, if you're getting back into hobbies like running or, you know, outdoor walking, walking out the baby in the pram, you might not be realizing how much time you're actually spending outside. And it's really important to have a hat for those moments. Try and pick the shady side of the street and wear sunscreen. That is factor, I would say, 50 if you've already got pigmentation. For most people, factor 30 and above is okay, but if you already have pigmentation, you should be using factor 50 and applying it probably twice a day, so in the morning and then around the midday time. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two, over-the-counter ingredients that can help with lightening the uh, pigmentation are things like azelaic acid or arbutin or vitamin C licorice root. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for things that say brightening you'll, or whitening, lightening, things like that, you'll you'll usually find those key ingredients. But if it's quite persistent and quite obvious, then this is where you probably need the help of a professional who can prescribe 
something like hydroquinone for you. And usually the hydroquinone is to use once a day for three months, and then you usually take a three-month break off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had a question around um, how many serums you can put together in, say, a regime for pigmentation. So I know you mentioned vitamin C, and uh, I'm not even going to try and list them as oh. acid and another one. <laughs> Do you use them all at the same time or do you use some, how, how do you go, or is this something that a dermatologist would help you with? Well, I'm, I'm sure dermatologists could help you with, not not on the NHS. <laughs> they don't do cosmetic skincare consultations. Um, uh, most ingredients will pair well with each other, but there's always a risk of irritation on your skin if you're having too much of a cocktail. Um, some people are pros and they found what works for them. I think most dermatologists, if you ask them, keep things as simple as possible. So that would probably be uh, you wash your face in the morning, then you put on one or two serums max, and then a moisturizer, then a sunscreen. Or if you don't really like a super rich feeling, you can skip the moisturizer and just have a sunscreen that is, you know, uh, in a hydrating you know, formula. And then you can use a different treatment in the evening. So you'll wash your face at the end of the day, and then you'll probably use one or two uh, serums then, and then a cream if you want, or one is fine too. So I would say I personally don't think more than two serums. I think things start getting pretty confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't know what's working. You don't know if something's canceling it out. Um, and there haven't been a lot of studies combining ingredients. Usually studies are just, I'm going to study the thing that I'm, you know, selling you or producing or developing. Sure. So I know the NHS don't cover things like a cosmetic skincare, um, but if you were pregnant and you had a skin concern, when should you start to look at going to the NHS to see a dermatologist versus, say, you know, a private dermatologist that you would see for cosmetic reasons? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's a little bit of a a line that's drawn in the sand because I've worked in different departments and sometimes the rules are a little bit different. When we get uh, referrals from a GP, it kind of depends who is looking at those referrals that night and saying yes or no. So there is variation. Um, In general, if if you wanted to go to see a a doctor to discuss, you know, what to buy from the ordinary, they're probably going to tell you no. (laughs) We're overrun. But if you, oh, my acne is getting really bad. My melasma, so that pigmentation is getting really bad. I have psoriasis or eczema, and it's really changed during my pregnancy. These are definitely medical skin conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always feel bad when people do have actual medical skin conditions and they get confused with skin conditions that they can just Google answers and hope a, a skincare product that they can buy will solve. And no, if you have an actual medical skin condition, you should definitely be talking to a a doctor. Mm. So how about um, hormonal acne? We had a question about and when post-pregnancy, how to go about solving or getting back on top of it. Yeah. um, So with hormonal acne, uh, we have treatments that are creams. Those creams are usually uh, antibiotic based because um, they help with the inflammation associated with acne. And we know with acne that there's a bacteria that is overactive. Uh, so those antibiotic creams can be used even when you're pregnant. When After you give birth, depending on uh, what your breastfeeding plans are or how soon after you're planning another pregnancy, 
we have treatments. So for for hormonal acne, obviously birth control can be very helpful. So the birth control pill, specifically uh, the combined one. And then we also have a medication called spironolactone, and that can also be very helpful for hormonal acne. Uh, but you need to have a discussion, obviously, with your doctor about what your kind of follow-up pregnancy plans are. Mm-hmm. You may remember Leslie Gilchrist, CEO and Clinical Director of My Expert Midwife, joining me on the podcast in Series 9. Leslie shared an incredible amount of knowledge. The midwives at My Expert Midwife have created some easy checklists and guides to help you through your pregnancy and birth journey. From perineal massage, pain relief, to preparing your hospital bag and prioritising your recovery. They have a fantastic expert advice section on www.myexpertmidwife.com. Do go and have a look. They will most likely answer a lot of those pressing questions that you need expertly covered. We are now so incredibly lucky to have direct access to the wonderful team at My Expert Midwife. This year, they launched antenatal classes, which are 100% midwife-led. If you are pregnant and planning for birth, whether you're a first-time mum or having your second or third baby, these are for you. They are evidence-based, preparing you and your partner for the realities of childbirth, replacing the anxiety of the unknown with the excitement and anticipation, helping you to enjoy the journey. Visit www.myexpertmidwife.com to learn more. Right, so we'll move now on to more specific questions. Um, so any retinal alternatives that you would recommend? Retinol is an ingredient that has been around for a long time, decades and decades, and it is super well-researched and it is probably the number one most effective, well-researched skincare ingredient. And it has many uses. So an alternative is going to pale in comparison for sure. Recently, in the past you know, year or so, probably the past two years, um, there's been an ingredient called Bacuchiol that has been marketed heavily as a retinol alternative. Again, it is plant-based and it has its roots in East Asia, kind of Chinese uh, herbal medicine. And there have been some studies that show a similar type of benefit, so helping with kind of clear skin and wrinkles and a little bit of pigmentation. Um, and it, from what we know, is safe in pregnancy. So a lot of times it's marketed as what to, to change your retinol to when you become uh, pregnant or you want to uh, become pregnant. That being said, you know, retinol is kind of a long game and it takes three to four months to see a benefit. So if you have to take a break that is a year, it's not really something that is going to affect you that much. You know, it's easy to take a break and then get on the retinol. Most people are on it you know, from usually people are on it for many, many years. And that's how you get the prolonged benefit of sort of preventing wrinkles from forming or making those wrinkles less noticeable. Mm -hmm. Stretch marks around my section wound. Any suggestions on how to specifically get rid of them? Yeah. So the stretch marks, I think we talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. ingredients being hyaluronic acid, centella asiatica, and then retinol. And again, it's a long game. It would be applying those creams for every day for several months, if not, you know, we're talking six months, a year plus. And the earlier the stretch marks are, the more likely that's going to make a difference. So uh, we're talking about pink or purple, depending on what your skin tone is, stretch marks as opposed to kind of 
white full-on scarred stretch marks Mm -hmm. and things like laser or uh, microneedling done by a professional can also help. Developed eczema on my hands during the second pregnancy. I visited the GP and tried many creams. Is there a secret treatment? Um, uh, Usually it's less about the specific treatment that your GP doesn't know about and more about um, get getting a lot of detail in the history of exactly what's causing it to flare at what times of day, at what times of week, year, you know, a dermatologist is there to really get all the details and give some very effective tips. But in general with eczema, you're talking about that your skin barrier is not intact. So things can come in to irritate it and cause flares. Um, So the most important thing is to keep up with the moisturizing as much as possible. Thick moisturizer, if you can, to reduce things that irritate your skin, like harsh uh, soaps and washing your hands all the time, which I know during COVID is easier said than <laughs> Yeah. For finger eczema, we've got special tape. So it's like a medicated tape that you can wrap around your fingers where the eczema is, because sometimes the creams will wipe off because you're using the hands all the time to touch things. So sometimes those uh, tapes can be very helpful. Um, gloves overnight with medical treatments in them. So we have have tons of tricks. So if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, then you can always ask to have a dermatology opinion. Mm, Absolutely. How long until skin goes back to normal uh, skin tags and pigmentation post-delivery? Hard to answer because everyone will be a little bit different depending on kind of their genetics and their ethnicity and what kind of things that they've been doing. Skin tags won't go usually away. Sometimes they'll fall off, but a lot of times once you get them, they'll be annoying you for a while. Um, again, skin tags can be removed very easily, but not via the NHS. Usually it has to be done privately. Although the NHS does recommend that you can tie a string at the base of them and watch them fall off. Huh. Yeah, so you kind of cut off their little blood supply so you can t- tie a little thread at the base. So if you have any big ones, you can do that. Uh, it oh, takes- wow a week or longer for it to fall out. Um, so that's an option for you that's a little bit cheaper than seeing someone privately. <laughs> pigmentation usually will get better in the following year if you've stopped breastfeeding, but not for everyone. Depends also how much sun you're getting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Will the line on your stomach, if you get a, a line on your stomach, will mm-hmm. that sometimes always stay with you or will it always will it always go eventually? For most people it goes. But there are some people where it says, yeah, the that line is called linea nigra. And, That's the um, one. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very common. Um, and more common in certain skin tones, too. Especially mm. in more uh, olive or darker skin tones. Because I didn't get it in my first pregnancy, and then I got it in my second. And mm-hmm. I, the midwife said to me, oh, that might be with you forever. And I don't mind it. You know, I, I very much am in the mindset of my body's grown two babies, so whatever happens happens um but I I just keep watching it thinking are you going are you staying (laughs) okay um how best to manage rosacea in pregnancy oh well we've got tons of great treatments for rosacea um again uh rosacea probably has a hormonal element as well so some people might notice that it flares during pregnancy um the good news is uh that another thing that flares rosacea is alcohol and most people will cut that down during pregnancy so you might notice less flares. Um 
So the number one thing with rosacea is to know what your triggers are. So some people are triggered by spicy food, others by alcohol, others by feeling really hot or being in hot environments. So the easiest thing to do is identify your triggers and try to avoid them. And then you've got medications, creams, for example, azelaic acid. You can use that in pregnancy. Um, or you have um, other creams or antibiotics, some of them appropriate, some of them not, that obviously you just have to discuss with your GP. So simple things first, know your triggers, minimize them. Number two, wear sunscreen. That also helps because UV is a big trigger. And uh, you can use certain topicals uh, that are safe. All right. Changes in moles and skin tags. Is that normal in pregnancy? Oh, so normal. Very normal. Um, I see we get so many referrals for changing moles uh, in pregnant women. And the absolute vast majority is just normal changes that occur. That being said, if you do have a changing mole, I want you to be reassured that, you know, in most cases it's normal, but you won't necessarily know the difference between a changing mole that's normal and one that isn't. So you should absolutely report changing moles to your doctor, to your mm -hmm. GP. Mm, absolutely. Uh, sunspots, despite factor 50, any way to get rid of them? Um, well, yes. So you might be moving. So certain ingredients can fade pigmentation. So you can try some of the ones that we mentioned earlier uh, that might help fade pigmentation. But equally, some are quite stubborn and you might be more in the procedure. So you might have to see more of a cosmetic dermatologist who might talk about more procedures for you. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a way, I think we've answered this, but is there a way of helping to reduce loose, loose skin um, and stretch marks, but loose skin in 18 months postpartum? Yeah, so loose skin, usually it's not just the skin. It's kind of uh, a little bit more than that that's loose. So a lot of times it's the layers of fat under that and also sometimes the muscle layers that are under that too that are meant to be supporting the skin. So uh, when we're talking about kind of the post-pregnancy loose skin that you get around the tummy area, yes, you can try diet and exercise. But even with those best efforts, sometimes you won't really be able to get back to what it was before without surgery. So, mm -hmm. but no cream is going to help with. with no. <laughs> well, that is the end of our questions. So is there anything else that you think would be really helpful to hear for pregnant women or postpartum women around skincare that we haven't yet talked about? Um, I think the one thing I would say is there's so many things to worry about when you're pregnant. And uh, I, I know you feel like the huge burden is on you to develop a healthy baby, and it can be quite stressful at times. But I think skincare should be something that you don't have to be up at night researching at all hours, worried about most of what you're using. Like I said, uh, hydroquinone, which is prescription only, and then the retinol products, which should be labeled, uh, and it should say in the back of your skincare product if it's not suitable for pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to enjoy self-care, enjoy uh, your skincare routine, and don't worry too much. But if things are going wrong, you can always talk to your doctor.
Oh, fantastic. Thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast, Christina. I really, really appreciate it. And I am sure our listeners do as well. Oh, I was uh, so thrilled to be a guest and all the questions were amazing. And hopefully it was interesting. And um, yeah, I hope if you have any other questions, you can always contact me. Absolutely. So how can people find you? Because I follow you on Instagram, but just share your handle and how people can get in touch. Yeah, so I am a dermatologist. I work full-time for the NHS, but I'm really passionate about education, especially when it comes to cosmetic skincare, because I know it's not available so easily on the NHS. So I created an Instagram account called Dr. Soma Skin. Uh, that is D-R-dot-S-O-M-A-S-K-I-N. And you can find me on there. Hopefully I'm approachable. I do Q&As all the time, and I try and have kind of informative and fun, easy-to-digest posts. And they are. They're brilliant. I find them so helpful personally. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope you found that as helpful as I did. What an incredibly helpful podcast. I really appreciate Christina. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge with us. I wish I had had this conversation with you when I was pregnant. It would have saved me a lot of hours of googling so once again thank you so much I hope you all found that really really helpful any questions I am sure she will happily answer them do head over to her Instagram page and have a look at her incredible posts they're brilliant so so knowledgeable so educational um, and I for one am very grateful for the, all the efforts she goes to uh, for her content and for coming on the podcast I will be back next week with another fantastic guest, so please do tune in. Have a lovely rest of your week. If you have a moment, as always, please do leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast and rate. It really does help other people who are searching to be a part of communities like these to find us and join in the conversation. Have a great week. Bye. Even the second time round, I didn't really know what to pack in my hospital bag. I knew what not to pack, but there is always a worry that you will have forgotten something you yearn after in labour. Luckily for us, the midwives at My Expert Midwife have curated a hospital bag set with all their essentials, including the brilliant Spritz for Bits, which I can personally recommend. It certainly saved my delicate parts post-birth. Soak for Bits, No Harm, Nipple Balm, Spritz for Labour and labour rollable designed to help calm and focus as our little gift to you my expert midwife have kindly given me an exclusive code to share with you for 10% discount across all products head to www.myexpertmidwife.com and use mumtalk10 at checkout and get that hospital bag packed don't forget to get your birth partner to pack it for you so they know where everything is i made that error first time round